We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays. Except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now, even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays, because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void or prohibited. Welcome to the Road to Wire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, December 20th. Nick Whalen and DJ Trainer with you as always. Um, we're going to talk again tomorrow. What are we going to talk about on the pod tomorrow? I don't know. It's going to be a surprise. I figure we'll start off by teasing that. Um, first, want to wish a happy birthday to, this is probably the worst crop of birthdays we've ever had since I've been doing this, Royal Ivy, the Please. only name I recognize on this entire list. I preemptively looked at that list because I, I've noticed that you've started to do yeah. this on every single pod that we record together. Uh, I liked Ivy back in the days. So yeah, he was former ex-Thunder. Oklahoma City yep. Thunder guy. Yeah, ex-Buck. So I, I got some love for Ivy. Yeah, he played for the Thunder two separate times. He was a Buck. He was a Sixer. He was a Hawk. 
not these were not great teams when when he was on them. He was not privileged to play on a lot of good teams. Uh, but Royal Ivy, happy birthday to him. Uh, we want to get in right away to true or false. We've done this before on the podcast. Um, basically, these the questions that we're going to ask each other, the statements we're going to make to each other, are not really rooted in fact. They are basically objective statements and we have to say whether or not we think they are true or whether they are false so let's get right to it i'll let you start all right blake griffin will be an all-star this season no would have been so false false yes false he will not be an all-star would have been but i think i think this injury probably knocks him out of contention because it was already so close in the west and i think there are so many other deserving players that something like this is kind of a convenient reason to knock someone. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I mean, he didn't make it last year either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's fair. I think that might be the easiest true or false I have for you. Yeah, yeah. When I read this, I was like, I hope he knows Blake got hurt. <laughs> but this is just like a, a, a soft start, which I like. He's one um, of those guys that's just going to get voted in as long as he's playing, you know, even his own average. And then obviously the injury complicates things. Right. So I think he would have been totally fine if he would have kept up the way he was playing now. You know, I'd I'd read a few you know All Star predictions that had him kind of on the borderline, and it's like I I think this team is really good, and they're like arguably the second best team in the West, yeah. and I think it would be hard to just give them either Paul or Griffin. I think they would they both would have gotten in, and now I think Paul for sure gets in. Um, but the way they do this, you know, when they pick the reserves, uh, assuming that Griffin would be a reserve, I think, which is fair because I I believe you know Durant and Davis uh, are probably firmly ahead of him there Draymond I think is probably still considered ahead of uh, Blake Griffin but you would basically have to pick another forward to replace him on the roster so you know I think maybe Kawhi not that he wouldn't have been on but you know I'm just naming forwards that'll be on this roster you know Durant Davis Kawhi Draymond I think Marcus Gasol gets in like this might be the tipping point for a guy like DeMarcus Cousins someone like Gordon Hayward um you know, I I would say Damian Lillard, but obviously he's not a forward, so I don't think this necessarily impacts that. Well, ask 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 me your next true or false. The second to the bottom one you have. To okay, see. yeah, I see. Notes here. Oh, that oh, let's go to that one. Okay, well, true or false? The Warriors will not get four All Stars. False. I think the Warriors will get four All Stars, okay. and here's why. Basically, to me, the last two spots. Uh, that are up for grabs are between Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, and Carl Anthony Towns. Because if you look at last year, pretty much everybody's going to make it, I think, besides obviously Kobe Bryant and then LaMarcus Aldridge. I don't think Aldridge is going to make it this year. I think Aldridge would get in over Towns. I don't think they're I don't think Towns really? would get on an eight win team right now. Obviously they won't have eight wins at the break, but I I think I think Aldridge would get the nod. I mean, didn't he make it last year? Yeah, Aldridge made it last year, but I, I, I mean, Towns didn't quite break out quite a, as much as he has at the, to this mm-hmm. point. I think people are still ready to anoint the Timberwolves as the next best team, and mm-hmm. I, even though they've been struggling, I think people are still ready to announce Towns as as mm-hmm. the next candidate to win. You know, the new MVP to come up in this crop. So I think those last three spots are Thompson, Lillard. And Carl Anthony Towns, and I think Thompson is just going to get in, even when he should be the one that mm-hmm. should be left out of those three. Okay, um, so we should probably touch on the changes that were made to the voting system. Um, so rather than fan voting being a hundred percent of the criteria for the starters, now it's fifty percent fans, twenty five percent players, twenty five percent media. 
I don't know that this is going to change all that much. I, I kind of wish it wasn't just the starters because I, I, as far as I'm aware, the reserves will be the same, right? Where the coaches pick the reserves. Yeah, um, I don't know why it wouldn't be. I think, I, yeah, I feel like it should, I would kind of like it to be, you know, they have a say on more than just the starters. Like, I, I feel like the this is bad for someone like Carmelo Anthony. It's bad for someone like Dwayne Wade, you know, kind of veterans who do really well with the casual fan base. Last year's Kobe Bryant. Kobe. But the thing is that he got so many votes by the fans last year. Kobe's I don't an think that the media though. and the players would have mitigated no, something not like for that Kobe. happening. But I mean, wasn't it two years ago when he was like out for the season or something yeah. like that and he still got voted in as a starter? Right. I mean, there's certain guys. Yao was getting voted in like two yeah. years after he retired, things like that. But <laughs> I don't think it's going to matter much. Like, I think the players. I, I think the players would vote in Russ and Harden. I think that's who the fans would have voted in. Durant, I think it's voted in by the players. Um, where it would be interesting is if, um, you know, because DeMarcus Cousins wasn't going to start the All-Star game either way, but, like, you know, what happened over the weekend, like, uh, who who in the media is going to vote for DeMarcus Cousins now, you know? And, you know, luckily, I guess for him, it won't really matter because he wasn't going to be a starter anyway. You're talking about Santa Cuz, right? Santa Cruz. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, you're talking about the Sacramento B thing. Oh, yeah. I see what's happening. Yeah, it's weird that he's just, oh, man. I mean, I'm not, nobody's surprised, right? We're not surprised no. by it at all, but it definitely hurts. Like, oh, you're going to be the guy to stand next to Cousins during this time and say that he should be awarded right. for anything, period. Um, so it is tough. He's made it very hard for media members and fellow mm-hmm. players to vote for him in this type of competition. That said, when you look at it, the dude is one of the best centers in the NBA, and I think that is ultimately going to reign supreme because I think that the players and the media still respect mm-hmm. the actions on the court, um, even though they should certainly be intimidated by him off the court. Yeah, and another thing I'm wondering, I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't even think of this before listening to, I believe it was the CBS Sports uh, NBA podcast last night, uh, Matt Moore and, and Jared Dubin were talking about are these votes going to be public? Like, how cool would it be if they were? And yeah. I feel like they should be, right? Like, you know, like, they brought up the point of, like, what if the Knicks all just vote for Porzingis because they're sick of Mello? You know, like, wouldn't it be – I think it would be it would be cool for the fans, but it would also create kind of awkward situations, and it would really give you a way to see, I guess, how some of these guys are viewed by their own teammates and by their peers around the league. Like, you know, one thing I was wondering is, you know, for the starters, like – I could see Durant taking a hit because, like, what if the players around the league thought it was a Bush League move of him to go to Golden State and think, you know, like, I, th- I think Kawhi is more deserving. Like, I could see, I don't know if it would be enough to really sway it. You know, I don't know 25% of whatever the vote is. Like, it's hard to project, but it would be really interesting. And I think it would be a really cool way to gauge perception that we've never really had before. Yeah, let's not forget that James Harden was voted the player MVP a right. couple years ago when Steph Curry won the actual mm-hmm. award because there is somewhat more disdain for Curry than Harden. Yeah. Uh, Harden is an incredibly hard guy to to, to guard on the court, and there's so mm-hmm. much respect for that, whereas Curry is, is kind of developing a new position altogether, and there's not quite as much on-the-court mm-hmm. appreciation for the way he plays basketball as uh, in comparison yeah. to somebody like Harden. So you're right. There could be a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun points of interest mm-hmm. that comes out of this, and right. I do hope that everything is public. Yeah, and that's one, too, where it's like, you know, if they're going to give green the opportunity the all-star game is different from all nba so it's three forwards two guards like it doesn't have to there doesn't have to be a true center in the lineup like davis you know the numbers on a bad team versus a guy like draymond who doesn't quite have the numbers but is on a great team like how would that turn out like i just think it'd be really interesting to see like i don't really 
I'm not saying I don't care what the media thinks as much. It's just like we kind of get that. You know, media votes are public when it comes to all NBA. Like you kind of, we've seen this before. It wouldn't really be all that much of a surprise. But with the player votes being made public, I think that would add a whole other dimension. And like looking at the East, like who the players think is the best out of Kemba, Kyrie, Lowry and like Giannis or Wall even like that would be really really interesting to see how they stack up you know like does LeBron get unanimous votes in the East is you know is he overrated underrated like it would just be really really interesting Isaiah Thomas is somebody yeah, that another the players one. might you know all rally yeah. around and you know somebody that's probably pretty mm-hmm. well liked around the league although well Lowry is so little, well liked too right. like I think he you know I, I don't know what people feel about Kyrie and Wall but like I think you know on the the CBS pod they were saying like I think this is good for Lowry because like everybody loves that guy and the players might push for him over Kyrie yeah, I hope everything becomes public because I do want to know how other cool. players view each other. You got a couple more two or false yeah. all stars if you want to get sure, to Sure, yeah, we'll get to those. I mean, if you're a player, would you want it public? Depends, no. I guess. Because, like, if, if, I mean, these guys have grudges, right? And it, it would be untrue. The players can also vote for themselves, by the way. That's, that's another, oh, that's, that's like reason number uh, 50 why I want these public because, like, I, you know. I think you shouldn't be able to vote for anybody on your team. But the thing is that, like, you can also, if it's, if it's a close race, like Porzingis first, you know, right. just pick anybody like Wade, then you would, like, ditch your vote. Right, like so, you'd vote right. for anybody, like Doug McDermott, so that a vote doesn't go to Wade if your fellow yeah. teammate, like Porzingis, well, just, is trying to get more votes. So there's a lot of politics yeah. involved. For it's sure. just interesting. It's like if Jordan McRae doesn't vote for LeBron, like does, yeah, right. does, does he like does he not yeah. on the team in a week? You know, like that type of thing. Uh, okay, so yeah, other All Star, um, true or false? Kristaps Porzingis has a better chance to make the All Star team than Carmelo Anthony. Yes, and for the reasons why I gave for Big Cat Carl Anthony Towns is that I think people are ready to anoint the next best and greatest. And you know, Carmelo is still great and he's still putting up solid numbers, but his numbers are not as good as they've been over recent years. And I think the love affair is with Porzingis, and I think everybody knows that the future of the Knicks is Porzingis. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if if Melo was to go to another team and like he was the best and greatest, then he would make it easy. But I think people are have kind of I don't want to say soured, uh, but the next shiny toy is there, and it's not Carmelo anymore. Right. I mean, Porzingis has been maybe not this month. I think he's he's not he's not shooting very well in the month of December. But like overall, he's been like objectively, he's just better than Melo, and he's more important than Melo for this team. Stats are about the same. Surprisingly, they're right about the same. So you right. can, but that's you saying can make a, a lot. Like Carmelo argument. is like yeah. Carmelo. You know, I think he's such a big deal that I don't know if people realize how big of a deal he is nationally. Still, you said preseason that he might be getting to the point where he's the most underrated player in the league. Carmelo Anthony, Mello? that is, yeah. Yeah, I think it depends who you ask, you know, and like what context. Like, I, there are probably people out there, like in New York, who think who like worship Carmelo still and like think he's still like the best. But yeah, I think it's he, like people dog on him so much. Like, he's still like a top, like top ten, I guess, isolation scorer. Like, we I think by the end of last season, you know, people were talking about him like he's washed up, and like you watch him play in the Olympics and you see like this completely different player that we haven't seen. Like, I wouldn't say you know he's the most underrated player, but he's. I think he gets more criticism than he sometimes deserves. That said, I think Porzingis is more deserving of an all-star nod. I don't know if he gets it. I See, I don't know what, how the coaches think on this. Like, if Melo doesn't get voted in as a starter, I feel like he would get picked as a reserve. Like, would the coaches pick Porzingis? Yeah, I don't what know. A, a statement that would that would make. I don't know. Well, things will be a little more clear as we get closer and closer. But uh, certainly fun to talk about. Let's get into some of these sure. other ones. Next one I have for you: Nerlens Noel will be traded in the next two weeks. 
I don't think it'll happen in the next two weeks. I think it'll happen. It has to happen before the trade deadline. I think, I mean, this is clearly already like he's been healthy for like a week and it's already like becoming an issue. He's already vocal about it. And I don't really blame him that much because he, I mean, he's been saying this for like a calendar year, you know, like this is going to be a problem guys. Like I, you know, I'm, he's just, I think he's trying to like get out ahead of it. He's not trying to create a disruption as much as he's saying like, guys, this isn't going to work. Like, clearly, I've been telling you this isn't going to work. Like, please make something happen. Like, he's not he's not demanding that they trade Joel Embiid and trade Joel Okafor. He's just saying, like, we need to figure this out. Like, this isn't working for any of us. Like, I'm proven to be a pretty good player. Joel and, and Jalil are good players. Like, we just need to figure this out. So, you know, the way he's going about it isn't great for them. But at the same time, it's like they're the Sixers. Like, what do you it's not like they're like a contending team and he's causing this big disruption that could derail their title hopes. You know, it's like (laughs) they're still on this long-term development plan. And I I think he just wants to make it very clear and try to spur a decision. I'm not so certain that, you know, he's not in their future plans. I I think that I don't know that he isn't either. I think they're legitimately trying to figure out how Okafor and Embiid can play together. And because they're so bad right now and they're going to be bad for next couple of years, they have the luxury of really finding things out and how they work on the court. Who's to say that Okafor won't move to the bench and only see eight minutes a game, you know, over the next two months, like January and February. And then Noel and Embiid will be the two guys Mm -hmm. playing a lot of minutes at center. Obviously what that plan, if that is the plan has not been told to Noel, otherwise he wouldn't be crying wolf like he is right um so it sounds like you're gonna say no to betray noel betrayed in the next two weeks no but you're still on the train that something is gonna happen yeah. before the trade deadline i mean either he has to be traded or okafor's gonna be traded right like i don't like noel's not saying trade me he's not demanding a trade he's just demanding something that they do different. something yeah and even you know with Sarge able to play power forward with him Ilyasova able to play power forward like it's not just these three guys and he has a point like it's really hard to argue against what nerlens noel is saying you can you can debate how he's going about it, but I, I think they're better off keeping him, you would think. You know, I obviously he's limited offensively, but Embiid's already shown that he can be more of a, a floor spacer than I think people expected. Um and, and Noel just in this in the NBA these days, like Noel is more the type of guy you would want than Okafor. And I, I'm higher on Okafor, I think, than most, but I think ideally you want to keep Noel. So uh I mean to long winded answer short, I do not think that Nerlens Noel will be traded in the next two weeks. All right. I got another one for you. All right. I think I'm ahead of you. Make it, take it. I'll I'll go make it, take it here. Gordon Hayward will remain in Utah next season. Let me remind you and all our listeners out there, he has a player option for next season, but that's only $16.7 million. He'll almost certainly uh, be declining it, making him an unrestricted free agent. So will Gordon Hayward remain in Utah next season? True or false, Nick? True. I I think true. Yeah, I... I don't think he'll be eligible for you know this new like super max player so, designated player exception. He's not eligible yet, but he has an opportunity to sign like a one in one deal or something like that to make him eligible down the road, mm-hmm. which that in a couple of years would put him in the position to make the most money right. if if and only if he stays in Utah. Doesn't he have to meet wouldn't he have to make an all NBA team or something? Yeah, I think that that's that's the criteria and, and so he's kinda on the outside looking in on that. But the route for the most money does involve him remaining in Utah. Right. Even I mean even under the current CBA, like you know, that would still be the route for him. Um 
I just, yeah, I'll have to look more into that designated player thing because like he's never even been an All Star. You know, like I don't see yeah. how he would be anywhere close to the criteria for that. He's, um, he's on the edge. When when you talk about that new like five five year two hundred million, we're talking like Griffin, yeah. Chris Paul, LeBron, DeMarcus those, Cousins, DeMarcus, Paul George, yeah, yep, those type of players. Hayward is certainly on the outside looking in. I just but, do you want to pay that to him? No, know. you don't. No, you don't. But he's Maybe, but again, though, he's they, right they, on the they, edge they of. Yeah, he's he's right on the edge of is yeah. is he worth that? Is he not? And that Gordon Hayward is about to cut off line for yeah. the the five year two hundred million plus deal. I think he'll stay, um, and it's tough because like if they get the inkling that he wants to leave, and you know he Gordon Hayward for whatever reason just doesn't seem like you know a, a get we, me out of here type of guy. We say that, but we don't know that for sure. No, we don't. But like there, it's going to be tough for the Jazz because like if he's like if he hints that he's opting out, like you can't trade him this year, right? I just don't see like you're in fifth place right now and things you know things are looking up for you the metrics are all good I agree you can't trade him this year but Rodney Hood has looked as good as he's ever looked right, right? that's what I'm saying like you risk losing him for nothing and on top of that I don't think there's going to be a better trade suitor or trade counterpart than there is in the Boston Celtics right now who have right. the assets Brad Stevens was a former coach I mean I don't think there's ever going to be a better trade partner for Garden Hayward ever period at any point over the next 10, 15 years, right. however long Hayward plays. So, well, if, yeah, it's, it's this thing. If you bring him back on this new contract, all of a sudden you kind of reset the clock on that. And it's like, you know, who's going to trade for Gordon Hayward on a max deal? I mean, somebody maybe would, but like if you sign him to that deal, it doesn't really, that would just be an odd thing to do, I guess, for the Jazz if you're looking to actually move him. Yeah, I, there's a lot to figure out here, and you're right. I don't think that he's actually going to ultimately qualify, but no. the Jazz right now, currently as they stand, have a lot of cap room, and they should have a lot of cap room over the next couple of years, so it just might make sense for Gordon Hayward to stay there. So mm-hmm. you say true. All right, I like Yeah, it. I think he stays. Um, the Rockets will finish with a top 15 defense. So I'm assuming they are now. They must have snuck in there during they this They were street, top huh? 14. They're 14. Okay. So I'm going to say no. Uh, an old adage, I don't know if it's actually true or not, is that the offenses tend to get better as the season goes along. Defenses get worse. Um, not worse, but the offenses get better, and it's hard to match. Yep. It's a long season. I think that the Houston Rockets are perhaps playing the best string of basketball they'll play all season long. Um, and that's not taking anything away from them. I, I had them as the fourth seed uh, in the playoffs preseason, so I think pretty highly of them, but I just don't think this is sustainable. Uh, I think I, I don't know anything about their like strength of schedule so far, but it's just you know even if this Rockets team is a one or two offense in the whole league and they have the twenty fifth twenty fifth best defense, that's still a very good team. The twenty five yeah best yeah twenty five is a new uh, new. I don't even know what the right word is verbiage I guess for that. Uh, but yeah, I mean I was surprised uh, that that rating, uh, you know, them being as high as they are. Um, I think everybody just expected that they would be like a bottom five defense and would try to just, you know, work their way up from there. But yeah, I mean, they're right in the thick of it. I mean, they're better than Cleveland uh, defensively as far as defensive efficiency. They're ahead of Toronto. You know, they're ahead of of a team like Dallas, which obviously is not surprising this year. But, you know, that's always one of those teams being a Carlisle team that, you know, is so good in that area. Um, So it's interesting. I mean, the Capella injury to me is concerning. it makes you wonder, you know, like the replacements behind him, I guess, is what's most concerning about it is like, can you keep this up without, uh, you know, your rim protector, without your, your role man offensively, if you want to look at it that way. Like, I, I do wonder, like, if there's going to be some slippage, I think it does probably come over this next month and a half. Yeah, no, that's, that's certainly fine. Uh, fine and well to say. Uh, we've talked about both these players. So do you want to do a make it, take it of yourself here? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, 
Well, actually, let's go right with Clint Capella. Yeah, that's. What I think saying. Clint Capella's injury is a bigger deal than Blake Griffin's injury. This is a tougher. This is a tougher tour. Tougher true or false than maybe it appears on the surface because obviously you're going to say, yeah. "Oh, Blake Griffin's awesome." But the thing is that the Clippers played really well with him off the court to the point where last year they were saying, "Oh, get rid of Blake Griffin. You're already like a better team with him off the court." So I I can see where you know that's obviously not as big of a deal. The thing about Capella is during the stretch, especially over the last five or six games, he hasn't been seeing that many minutes. There's been a few games when he hasn't even reached twenty in a game. They've been rolling out mm-hmm. lineups with Sam Decker at center, Montrez Harrell at center, um, even Nene at center, and they've been just fine. So. Clint Capella's injury is a bigger deal than Blake's. I'm going to say false only because I'm not sure that uh, Jamal Crawford can step up like he did last year. Um, so I think it's a little, bit, a little bit bigger of a deal for Blake Griffin uh, that he'll be missing out than Capella, although I think it's incredibly close. Yeah, I, th- I think you know you've kind of hit it on the head. But what you first said is that you know obviously Blake Griffin's a better player, and obviously he makes a bigger impact. But I think when you look at these rosters, top to bottom, the Clippers have more to fall back on. You know, you have Chris Paul, you have DeAndre Jordan, two you know first and second team All NBA guys, JJ Redick. Houston has a decent supporting cast. Obviously, you still have Harden and you know guys like Ariza and Gordon and and Anderson and Decker who have all been fine. Uh, but I mean, Capella's second on this team in win shares per 48. Um, third is, curiously enough, is Montrez Harrell, who's going to start playing a lot uh, in Capella's absence. But I, I mean, Capella is exactly what this team needs on both ends. You know, I mean, we we talked in preseason about him. Just all he has to do is be like 50% of what Amari Stoudemire was, you know, for, for D'Antoni in the mid 2000s. And like, he's been just that. He's you know, he's, he finishes around the rim. He rebounds really, really well. I mean, he's averaging like a little over eight rebounds a game, and he's really not playing that many minutes. Uh, but when I went and, and did some research on him today, uh, kind of like what, what you said, he's playing fewer minutes than I thought. So that does kind of give me a little bit more optimism. Like, it's not like they were relying on him to play 36 minutes a night. The Rockets are on a 10-game winning streak, right? And over the last seven games during that win streak, winning streak, obviously, Capella has averaged 19.7 minutes. I mean, yeah. to say that he's been a part of that winning streak, sure, but to say that he's been the reason, I don't think you can say that he has mm-hmm. been the reason if he's only if he's not even playing 20 minutes a night right. during the majority, the vast majority yeah. of this winning streak. See, I think it's going to hurt him defensively. You know, you're you're basically replacing him with Nene and Montrezl Harrell, and Montrezl Harrell is like six seven, uh, and Nene is Nene. And Nene's been better than I thought he would be. He's, I mean, he's shooting like 55% uh, from the field and, and has been finishing everything around the rim. But what's interesting now is like, I don't know that, I don't think they'll get better offensively because Capella has been so good around the rim and as a role guy. But you're going to have lineups now where if Nene and Harrell aren't on the floor, like they could do Harden, Ariza, Gordon, Anderson, Beverly and have five shooters, you know? Well, during the, you know, when they went to double overtime with the Warriors, what the lineup they used most the the front court that they used for the mo- majority of that uh, that game at the end of the game was was Decker and Anderson as yeah. the one two and then in the second overtime they used Harrell and Anderson right. and at no point when Capella was eligible to play um, he only had four fouls in that game did mm-hmm. he only played twenty five minutes in double overtime game. right well the thing is like the Warriors are kind of a good team to do that against right because they kind of play that way with Draymond at the five so it's like you can totally get away with it you know like what happens when they play the Jazz like do you have to play Harrell and and or Nene like the entire game I think you kind of do right because like you can you ask Ryan Anderson to 
defend Gobert or Whiteside. Like where it's going to hurt him now is against teams that have these true centers when they would rely on Capella. Uh, but at the same time, you can flip it and say like you have to make them adjust to you. So let's let's bring this thing full circle. And you asked me, are they going to be a top fifteen defense? And I said no, and they didn't even need, they don't even need to be. Right. And the thing is that sure they're going to give up a little bit on defense, but that's okay. Like they're yeah. so good on offense that we we can talk about how do they make up for the loss of Capella when they play mm-hmm. opposing centers like Gobert, like Whiteside. But you know what? I don't think it matters. Right. I think they can leak points to centers, and that's perfectly within their you know season long mm-hmm. strategy. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's almost like okay, we're ahead of probably where we should be right now, or where a lot of people thought we would be. Like, it's terrible to lose, you know, the, the, your best defensive rated player in Capella right now. But it's like okay, we just won our last ten. We're fourteenth. We're in the top half of the league in defense. Like, even if we slip for these next six weeks, Valley's out. Like, we have a little bit of leeway. You know, like it would be a lot more devastating if they were. I don't know, like, you know, a 12 and 12 right now or something like that. You yeah, know, like the Thunder, the Trailblazers. Right, yeah, like yeah. that, like, if you're, if this uh, this equivalent of this injury happened to the Thunder, you, you kind of panic and think, like, you know, this next six weeks, like, could be trouble. It's kind of what a lot of people thought would happen to Memphis, and obviously it didn't. But, you know, being 21 and 7, they have a little bit of leeway now. So not not as devastating as it could have been for, for this Rockets team. And the other thing is their bench has just been better than I think we thought it would. You know, like, I... I'd, I wasn't down on Sam Decker, but I don't think people expected him to be like a just a, like a really really solid rotation guy after playing like ten total minutes last year. Believe it or not, Eric Gordon is only a couple of three pointers behind Steph Curry in total made this season. So obviously yeah, that he's helps been quite really a bit. good. Anderson really, I mean he's been fine, but I think he's been a slight disappointment. He's shooting like forty one percent from the field. You know, like I think you look at him and been like, all right, this is fine. Like, but I think we could get more out of him over these last fifty games. Yeah, in this offense, I think it's a little bit disappointing. But again, there's—I mean, mm-hmm. this is a completely new team that's trying to figure things out. We certainly have awarded that luxury to other teams, um, even the Warriors a little bit. And, yeah. and this team, uh, the the Rockets, certainly have that as well, where their offense could and should be even better as the season goes along. Next one for you, Nick Whalen. True or false? Chandler Parsons will make a difference for Memphis this season. I think he does. Um, I think he can be back. It sounds like as early as tomorrow. Yep. And there's a, it sounds like there's a pretty good chance he's going to play uh, Wednesday. I believe they have Detroit on Wednesday. Um, you know, the thing is, it's going to be a while before he probably plays more than like 20 minutes in a night. But at the same time, when you look at up and down this Memphis roster and it's like they need him, I think, to to kind of reach their ceiling. Like, what is that ceiling? I don't know. Maybe the fifth best team in the West. Uh, but I think I think there's room for him to make an impact. I think the fact that you really can't expect to get anything out of him kind of lowers expectations so even if he comes in and averages like you know 11 points four rebounds and three assists like that that could be pretty big for a team like memphis he's only played six games this season has played no more than 23 minutes i believe he was probably on a minutes restriction for all of those games even when he did come back so 23 minutes probably about the benchmark to expect out of him this wednesday you were right against detroit back-to-back games celtics then detroit uh i think he totally can um the the issue that i have though is if you're the memphis grizzlies you have to be aware that you know this guy might not be around for the whole season and what if you get comfortable with him in the offense what if you get comfortable with him in the rotation and then woof He's out. He's not there for the end of the season, not there for the playoffs. I feel like there needs to be a safeguard or a safety net in case that happens because it's such a realistic possibility. Yeah, but I mean, they're 18 and 11 basically without him, right? So it's like in that scenario, you just revert to what you are now, and that's a seven games above 500 team. Like, I, I think that's okay, right? 
Yeah, that's fine. I, I guess I, I'm. I should say I'm super disappointed because uh, a team of Gasol, Parsons at his best, and Conley is a super good team because a team of Conley and Gasol at their best has been very good. So it, it's certainly disappointing. But I think you view him, even though he's got a nice fat contract, as just a bonus. Whatever you can get from him the yeah. rest of the season is just going to be added. Um, the fact you know you're not playing Troy Daniels, you're playing Chandler Parsons. But mm-hmm. I think that the scary thing is that that's the mentality they need to have with him all season long and in the playoffs. And that's not what you want from your third best player on a team. No, no, but I also think whatever you get from him is kind of like found money, you know? Yeah, but that's not good. That's not I mean, good. I it's not good, but it's he's like... the third best player on the team. Yeah, but it also speaks to like how good you can be without him, and sure. obviously they probably overachieved a little bit. Yeah, um, for sure, definitely. But, I mean, I want to see him do well. I want to see like, this Memphis team. Like, if you don't root for them, you know, whether you don't, like, I'm not a Grizzlies fan, but like, if you don't root for them as just a general NBA fan, I, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, the real Chicago Bulls, that's in, that's in air quotes, are closer to the early season Bulls uh, than the team that we've seen more recently uh, that got smoked by Milwaukee in back-to-back games last week. Yes, so true. I believe that the Bulls are better than what we've seen okay. out of them over the last few games, and here's why. The Milwaukee Bucks um, still have some vested anger of the Bulls of the last few years, right? Um, so they view this more as a rivalry matchup than this version of the Bulls views it against the Bucks. So the Bucks simply, quite simply, like I continue to say, we're motivated for this game. Motivation is such a big factor for me in the NBA when you have such a long 82-game season. I don't think that same like that vigor and that like willing to play up and play a little bit better and try a little bit harder than you normally would is there for this Bulls team, and that got the best of them. So I think this Bulls team is still very good, filled with veterans. They know what they're doing, but uh, Milwaukee was just bound and determined to beat them just crush them and they did just that but i i'm not willing to write the bulls off in any way shape or form no me neither uh i think they're probably somewhere in between the early season bulls that that really overachieved and uh you know the bulls that we've seen lately that i think have really underachieved um that's a co- that's a po- politic answer man yeah well i mean it they're not either one of those teams right i, I don't know they're not like, the bulls through the first month of the season looked awesome and like you know we never really knew we knew they were not that good uh, and I don't think they're 30 points worse than the Milwaukee Bucks either. So somewhere yeah. in the middle, probably closer to, to early season. Nick, the Mavericks will decline Dirk Nowitzki's $25 million team option for next season. Let me remind you, the Mavs currently, this current rendition of the Mavs, have the sixth most expensive payroll this season. False because I think Dirk's going to retire. Wow. I think he it out there. There we go. Dirk, That's a Dirk is not a one for. Dirk has not played in almost a month. His body is finally kind of starting to betray him. Two, I don't think he's a money grabber. Like he's not going to he I th- I think he's not going to handicap the franchise and and like opt out and then demand, you know, like a two-year deal with an option or anything like that. And like I don't think he will force himself to come back just to grab that 25 million because I think there are other streams of revenue that he's probably involved in around that organization that will make sure he's good. Like, I I just don't think the money matters to him. And I think the fact that he's played two games and, you know, since November 6th and his body is just like not improving really is kind of a red flag for him. And like, you know, you look at this roster, like what motivation would you have to come back next season unless they're able to pull some massive free agent strings and turn this into a contender, which it just doesn't seem like is going to be the case. Yeah, Mark Cuban continues to say no tanking. We're not going to like revamp. We're just going to rebuild or, you know, 
put whatever interest you want into that. I don't think playing basketball for this Dallas Mavericks teams is fun, and I think Nowitzki knows that, and that's part of the reason why he's not coming back. Right. I think if this was a really good team fighting for a playoff spot, that perhaps even Dirk at his old age would, would be back sooner and would be trying to play. So I, I'm right there with you. I, I think that they won't even perhaps need to decline it um, because Dirk will just kind of ride off into the sunset. Hopefully, though, um, like the last 10 games of the season, we can just see him again. You know, yeah. Just play a little bit, that, that I classic think mid-range fadeaway. I right. just want to see it a couple more times. I think he probably could play right now. It's just like, yeah. why? You know, like yeah. there's no... It, there's just no reason for it, but like, of course, I think if it came down to like a curtain call situation, you know, like he wouldn't he wouldn't sit out to rest, you know, his last home game or anything like that. Let's go make a ticket again because Dirk okay. could perhaps come into discussion with this uh, this one as well. This one's a little bit complicated, so pay close attention. Ty Lawson is the best answer to this question: true or false? What currently active player fell off the biggest cliff? Hmm. Fell off the biggest cliff. Uh, well, Josh Smith isn't technically active, right? Is he? I think that's an okay answer because if somebody okay. called him, I don't up know right if that now, is going to be my answer. But do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, if he counts, he's got to be somebody you consider. Dirk, um, obviously, somebody consider. Yeah. I think Ty Lawson. For me, obviously, I posed the question because I think he is the guy that has fallen off the biggest cliff. If, cliff, excuse me. If you look at his numbers, I mean, this guy was one of the best point guards in the league in mm-hmm. the Western Conference, mind you, just two years ago. And now, if you look at his numbers, yep. uh, you know, fifteen points and almost ten assists per game only three seasons ago. Where last year five five points and only not even four assists, and obviously this year he's not doing. He's only twenty nine years old. This is somewhat of a peak for NBA players in today's game, and so I think for me, it is definitely Ty Lawson because I think you could argue that Josh Smith was never all that great. He just had the opportunity um, of of minutes on the court. Yeah, was never an all star, which which is notable. Um, but yeah, I mean, those, it's hard because like you could say Derek Rose, but obviously there are extenuating circumstances there. Um, like Dwight Howard kind of has a case and that's, I love Dwight Howard, you know that, but I think there's a case because like people forget just how crazy good he was in like 2011, you know, I mean, he was for a while before Durant really came into his own, like Dwight was like a consensus top three player for a few, several years, a span of several years. He was a top three guy and you know, like this was before we there there wasn't this era of like freak big men, you know, like there was no Davis, there was no Towns back then. Like Dwight was the guy, like the model for the center that you wanted. And he still on many nights is kind of close to that, but uh, you know, I think back in two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, you probably would have thought, you know, Dwight Howard is like he was showing no signs of slowing down at that point, uh, and the way that that his career has gone so far up and down since then, and mostly down, I think, in the minds of most, uh, probably qualifies him for consideration. You take his best game from this season. That's what he was averaging back in like 2010, right, 2011. Yeah, like, it, it is amazing to look at just his pure numbers. I mean, you go on a road wire right now, look up Howard's profile, and just look at his rebounding over the last 15 years. It is insane that this guy was just like flirting around 14, 13. That's what Drummond's doing now. Last year we were ready to say, oh, Drummond's one of the best rebounders in the league. Like Dwight Howard has been doing it for so incredibly long. Mm-hmm. But that cliff just isn't quite there for me. It seems like a natural progression, like a bell curve on Howard. Where as soon as he went Lawson, to the Lakers, like, yeah, I think it, that one season with the Lakers somehow traumatized him. <laughs> I mean, he won Defensive Player of the Year three times in a row. Um, I don't think that's ever been done. As I, I'm kind of trying to look back, uh, yeah, no one's ever won it three seasons in a row. Kawhi um, Leonard, 
Kawhi Leonard's going to have a chance. He's I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to do it. All right. I think this is the year they they give it to Draymond. Um, I mean, Ben Wallace and Dikembe Mutombo are the only players who've ever won it more times than Dwight. Uh, I think people are going to be surprised because you know Dwight. He's, it's not like he's going to retire anytime soon. Like he's still a productive player. Like yeah, he's going to rank really highly in a lot of important categories. And like if you asked a lot of fans right now, like is Dwight Howard a Hall of Famer? I think you would get a whole lot of hell knows. Uh, but he's like a lock Hall of Famer if he never played another game. Uh, and I think that would surprise a lot of people. He's second among active players in defensive rebounds, first in offensive rebounds, already uh, you know, 25th in, in the NBA history in total rebounds, which doesn't sound that high, but is pretty high because there's a lot of crazy names on that list. First among active players in blocks, uh, first in turnovers. Crazy, huge. Um, so I think, I think when it's all said and done, maybe people will appreciate Dwight more. The dude has averaged a double-double in every single game or every single season right. of his career. Uh, the closest he ever failed, didn't do that was his rookie season where he was 18 years old. Yeah. And he still got you 12 and 10. I mean, look across the league today. Um, if a rookie came, if we had a rookie in this class that was averaging 12 and 10, we'd be losing our minds. Yeah. By the way, that's basically what Rudy Gobert is doing right now. And he's like three or four years into the league. And right. We could and go only on. Only three on. seasons with a usage of above twenty five for you know a guy of that profile is kind of crazy. I mean, there are like for comparison's sake, like Lou Williams' usage is like thirty this yeah. year. Um, you know, like there are some players that should not have these kind of usage rates that are much much higher uh, than Dwight Howard's. And obviously, being a center does kind of skew it. But like Dwight's career usage rate is comparable to like Maurice Spate's usage rate this year. It's crazy. So, all right. Anyway, I only have one left. The Warriors are going to go into Cleveland and win by at least 10 on Sunday. I'm going to say false. Uh, Love to talk about motivation. I don't think the Cavaliers have been motivated really at any point this season. I think they're going to get up and play their most intense game of the year. And you know what? I think this Cavaliers team still has somewhat of not a complete edge, but a couple different edges in terms of what this Warriors team's kryptonite probably is, and that's rebounding and solid play inside. And I think the Warriors really can just rely on that with a multiplicity of guys um, and and kind of feel that out for how that's going to go. You only get two dry runs before the finals. Mm -hmm. I do think this one means more to Golden State, though. Yes. Isn't that funny how that's switched? Which is weird how it's flipped. Yeah, Yeah, because like last Christmas, it was, of course, the game was at Golden State, and it was, all right, the Cavs, because at the time the Cavs were – playing well but not that well like not nearly as well as they are this season and it was like all right if they can get this win like this could be the start of something this is the confidence they need and of course it was like a crazy ugly game and the 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 Warriors basically led throughout but was never really out of hand uh and like I I felt you know you've definitely felt that the Cavs needed it more and you felt that the Warriors knew they were going to win like I think the Cavs they're not going to go in and and you know just play a sloppy game and not care but I think the Warriors want to kind of reassert themselves after losing the finals, right? Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's it's a role reversal this year and the mm-hmm. year before that. I would be very surprised if Cleveland wins. I, I just think Golden State is going to try try as hard as it's tried in any game this season, and that could that could spell trouble for anybody. Like I just don't know if Cleveland, I don't know if anybody in the league can stop that. So here's the thing for me, whether or not this game is going to be close at all, the first quarter really matters. And the first six minutes of the first quarter really matter because if this game starts to get out of hand, I think that Cleveland, everybody, like even LeBron is going to play it cool. You know, right. we, 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 we're, we're the current champions. We got the exactly. rings. Like, and we they got can. nothing to prove. And they could do that now. And, and honestly, like that flip is going to switch within the first six minutes of that game. And we'll know 
who's going to win that game or if it's going to be a close game mm-hmm. uh, right from the get-go. It, it's not going to take long. If Kyrie comes out and hits two threes, then everything is going to change. Right. That's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't know if this Cleveland team, if, if they fall behind by like 17 in the second quarter, like I don't know. Not even, I just yeah. don't know if they'd have it in them. Um, and the same kind of might go for the Warriors too. Like I think – but I'm totally with you. I could see that scenario unfolding where the Cavs just, you know, if they lose, they just they play it cool, and you know. I don't think it goes both ways for the for the Warriors. This game is in Cleveland, right? Yep. Yeah, I, I think the Warriors are going to come out just hair on fire. It's going to be an awesome. You know, I cannot yeah. wait. I, I'm gonna. I'm already like in talks with my with my dad about like make sure Grandma is able to have the TV on at this time from this time. <laughs> like, what time are we eating? Because um, I'm willing to miss any game on Christmas except for this except one. For that one. Yeah, I think a lot of people would say that. All right, let's finish out with this one um, because our attention uh, slowly but surely will start to gravitate towards this question. Uh, true or false, Nick, Earl Watson will be the next coach to get fired. I mean, true, I guess, in the sense that I don't know if there's anyone else. I, like, this, I could see this being a year where no coach is fired. And that sounds crazy because I can't even think the last time that that's been the case. But it's a unique year where the teams that are losing, like expected to lose, I guess. And the one exception there is like Minnesota. And obviously they're not going to fire Tibbs midway through his first year. Like there are just so many kind of fluky things where like Brett Brown's career record is terrible. But everybody knows he's like everyone recognizes him as a good coach. Like the numbers say he should be fired, but like it's such a unique situation in Philly that he won't be. Spo has built up such a great reputation with Miami, where like how could you justify firing him with this roster? Uh, Brooklyn's the same way, you know, new coach. Um, Washington has a new coach. Detroit is a little bit of a dark horse to me, only because like there seems to be like a schism right now between the staff and the players. Schism would but, be one way of putting that. But yeah. at the same time, it's like. Stan Van Gundy is so well respected and they've like entrusted him with so much responsibility that like making that move would kind of uproot a big chunk of the organization. Let me be honest here. I knew I wanted to have this question, but when I started to actually insert that name, it became very difficult. So I understand you having difficulties. Yeah. Uh, Brett Brown might be the one that sneak in there, but they've just hung by him. And, and he's such a likable guy, and he's such a good face of the franchise during this time. Like, upbeat, answers the questions how you would probably like him to answer it. He's just – everybody likes him, and he's, mm-hmm. he's, he really is one of the better coaches you could handpick for the situation he's in right now. Earl Watson, to me, I think is is the favorite candidate because – you know, Phoenix is one of the worst teams in the league, and I don't know that they should be because their roster isn't horrendous. And Earl Watson, you know, just kind of backed his way into this job to begin with. Um, so I'm going to go with him. But I, I don't think Scott Brooks should be overlooked in Washington. I know you said it's his first year and whatnot. Um, it really makes me wonder back in the days of the Thunder, like, man, if they had a different coach, would they have been, like, even that much better? Because he, that, the roster they have in Washington isn't that bad either. I think the starting five they have is, is really good, a solid starting five. And so yeah, I, I wouldn't overlook Scott Brooks. Yeah, the Wizards have been a little bit resurgent of late, and, you know, they're far from out. I mean, they're only two games out of the eight right now. Um, well, they're, <laughs> they're two games out of the five, I guess, with Milwaukee, uh, Chicago, the Knicks, and the Pacers kind of all – at similar win-loss percentages. Um, Orlando is one with Vogel, but it's it's another situation where, like, the team sucks, the roster sucks, he's new, and he has a reputation. The like, reputation I, I, is the most important thing. Watson is the guy that – his disadvantage is he doesn't have the reputation, and he's not yeah. in his first year. So, like, I, I think I'm with you that he's probably the best candidate. Alvin Gentry, 
I could see that's a one. That's one too. I thought about. I could well. see Jaeger just because Sacramento is like run by some questionable, you know, decision makers, and it's like I could see them panicking and like all it could take is you know somebody with power in the organization to just get frustrated with them for whatever reason. But the funny thing is, over the last couple of years, he's the least guy. He's the, he's the coach that's had the least amount of surface problems at least from what we know i mean the last two coaches have come in there and basically just like been on the hot seat from the get-go and i don't know that he necessarily has been i i don't know if management likes the fact that brandon knight has moved into a six-man role so if there was some hostility there in that judgment then that's an easy way to say you know what yeah here's a blatant coaching reason why we didn't want you to begin with and then you didn't do a good job with the roster we gave you i you're right though this is a really weird year um like when Houston got off to a bad start, like people were surprised by Kevin McHale getting firing, mm-hmm. fired, but like at least he would have come up in discussion in this right. list right away. We're having troubles even making a list. Last year, that wasn't that hard to come up with a list. Yeah. When all the teams that we expected to be good are good, you know, like there's, I don't, D'Antoni wasn't fired when he coached the Lakers, right? I don't, I don't not, not in that first season. I don't think he was, but like there's not a team like that where we're, we all projected him to win 60 games and they're sitting at 500 right now. Like there's no David Blatt situation. You know, the teams that are yeah. good, uh, that were supposed to be good are good. The Cavs and the Raptors and the Celtics are one, two, three in the East. The Warriors, Spurs, Rockets, and Clippers are all in the top four. Like there's no, there's no team that's wildly, wildly underperforming outside of Minnesota. And as we said, that's a unique situation with the coach. And you, you mentioned it, Van Gundy. Everybody picked Detroit as kind of a darling to step yeah. up among all these middling, on average, East teams. And he might self-implode before he gets fired. Yeah, he might, yeah, he might fire the players. Which I would love to see <laughs> yeah, the first time in I history. think he does kind of have that control. So I do want to ask you, and this this will be the last thing as we stray away from true or false entirely. Uh, Van Gundy alluded to, I, I sure as heck, or you sure as heck aren't going to see the same starting five out there, I think, Wednesday, the next time they play. Um, all right, that's all well and good, but like... If you picked any team where the starting five was going to remain intact all season long, everyone would say Detroit. So I'm having trouble even deciding which player he would take out. The only player I can say is Tobias Harris because John Luer has been playing so well for him. Otherwise, like, who is he talking about? I mean, Reggie says- Jackson basically went on strike for three quarters of their last game. So there's that. I mean, I don't think it's a permanent change. I think, if anything, it would just be like a make-a-point decision. You know, like Reggie Jackson... I think you know they had this team meeting, and it, from what it sounds like, Reggie Jackson basically, I think, was told like stop shooting so much. You're not you're not making your shots. You're shooting thirty eight percent, and well, then I think his response was, "Okay, well, I just won't shoot then." Yeah, well, that's interesting because, I mean, Van Gundy said after the game, it wasn't him; it was the team. In terms of why didn't he shoot? But may, right. yeah, who knows? Well, who's and correct, Jackson, but, I mean, Jackson's a little bit more of a, an enigmatic yes, guy, I think, yes. than people realize. He, um, no, he really is. Like he, he really, really is. Like one of the more enigmatic personalities in the whole league. I mean, the fact right. that you would want to leave the Thunder on, on yeah, I, I think there's, there's the, the belief. You know, it's kind of one of those like, you know, he he truly believes he he can be the best player in the NBA type of situations, and like it's hard to fault a guy for that. But it's like, but it's a little Dion Waiters ish. Yeah, it's closer just to say Dion that, Waiters yeah, than like, anything else. Yeah, and like I don't think I don't think he's like that poisonous to a team. You know, he's shown that he can be a good pass first point guard before. But yeah, uh, I mean this, this team, like you said, I I'm obviously I don't know if it's it's a little bit of a stretch to say like you know they're the last team you think would change their lineup because you know teams like Golden State, Cle- Cleveland, whatever, but. This starting five played so well, so many minutes together last year, 
and they're all back and they're all pretty much in the same role that it's it's surprising I guess to see a team like this unraveling yeah no I I completely agree I guess you know it will be to make a point and maybe his post-game conference last night was just enough Maybe that's all it's Maybe, I mean, they're getting smoked, too. I mean, they've lost yeah. their last five losses have all come by double digits. They lost by almost 20 at home against Philly uh, a little over a week ago. They lose by 14 in Washington. They lose by 15 at home against the Pacers. Then they get absolutely smoked by 31 last night in Chicago. Like, it's, they're not even, I don't, I like, I always say I don't like to question effort in professional sports. I think that's kind of just dumb. But you look at games like this and you do have to kind of wonder, um, maybe where the motivation lies with, with this team right now. I completely agree. I completely agree. And the, this team is playing like the coach is about to get fired. You yeah, know, you, but he's you, not. There's, he you know, he's not about to get fired. Real quick, I, I meant to bring him up. Dark horse candidate for first coach to be fired this year, Mike Budenholzer. When you said dark horse, I thought you were going to say Darko. Darko. <laughs> I mean to bring him up. Dark horse. Okay. Uh, a couple games ago. Budenholzer I, is an interesting one. They're yeah. 14 and 14. A couple games ago. The the lack of effort that you were describing, you could certainly project that onto the Hawks a couple games ago. And when you look at their performances, you you say, you know what, this is perhaps a team that's playing like their coach is about to get fired. Not not so much the case yeah. right now, but like even just a week a week and a half ago, uh, things were looking really dark. Not Darko Milicic, but just dark in Atlanta. Yeah, they're in an interesting spot because like I think they probably expected to be better, but when you look at the roster, it's a little unrealistic. You know, I think they've been doing more with less these last few years and maybe haven't gotten quite enough credit for it. Um, you know, the the, the Teague to Schroeder transition hasn't been seamless. The they're one of the worst. White transition hasn't been yeah, seamless. They're one of the worst teams in the league at defending yeah. opposing point guards. Right. Yeah. They're 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 having trouble. I mean, they when you lose what ten out of eleven or whatever it was for them, like. That's, that, that doesn't just happen to good teams. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Anyways, um, so schedule for the rest of the week for this podcast, you and I tomorrow, you and James on Thursday. No podcast on Friday, and it doesn't look like there's going to be a podcast Probably on not. Monday, but hopefully everybody enjoys their holiday weekend. Yeah, we'll get something figured out. I mean, I wouldn't rule out Monday, um, just obviously with that being the day after Christmas. We, I, I don't know where exactly I'll be. I don't know. You'll be... I'll be in Oklahoma. Be out, deep, uh, deep in Oklahoma. Home on the range. Yeah, home um, on the range. We're the an- yeah, we'll get something. I mean, if, if not you and I, you know, James and I will maybe record something Tuesday, so... Don't panic. There will be Roto-Wire NBA podcasts. Napa A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.